Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Losses Above Replacement, the greatest baseball podcast, two grace years. I'm today's host, Matthias Alvin Kurosaki, and with me, as always, we have my amazing co-hosts, Ryan Splashbots and Alex Clark. Gentlemen, first things first, as we start every episode, how are we doing on this fine Monday evening? It's uh, quite beautiful here, actually, over on the Pacific Northwest. Here, I actually went and played a little bit of golf today. Had a good time, shot a 86, so I'm not too uh, not too mad about that. Uh, but also, I'd like to say a happy Memorial Day for this one as well, and make sure you took a moment of silence. But other than that, I know things are doing all right over here. I'm ready to talk some baseball, especially with a big milestone that we'll talk about first. Uh, I do not want to be here. Um, the Braves are losing to Oakland. <laughs> this I, I don't think... That'll happen. Yeah, no, yeah, actually, I don't I don't remember the exact last time the A's beat the Braves. I don't think I was watching baseball the last time it happened. Mark Kotze, the manager of the A's, was a player for the Atlanta <laughs> Braves the last time. He was the starting center fielder that day. I, I remember that. Figure out the I date. I remember Kotze, the Braves. I started watching baseball at the end of the 2006 season, like 2006 playoffs. Tigers, Cardinals, any Chavez catch, all that. Maglio Ordonez, moonshot. Yeah, all that. First baseball memories. My baseball memory does not contain, at least I don't think it does, does not contain the A's beating the Braves. So, depression. Uh, I mean, sometimes you do. That's the thing is that I feel like it, it all. You do be all, like that, though, sometimes, yeah. man. It, it does. Hey, okay, I mean, okay. Like, Both of your Bozo the, teams, the teams swept the A's. I don't want to hear Correct, it. yeah. Well, I mean, you yeah, said I Bozo know. teams, but we did sweep the A's, whereas you are losing to a team that is on pace to be the worst team in baseball history, and you're losing muted, to them. Muted, so, muted, so um, picked, banned. That'll, uh, that'll happen. Problem is you can't do that. You're out the house right now. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know, and that means if you want me to be, that means and if you want me to be muted, you have, you have to ask a Mets okay. fan to do it for you. Correction, okay. it was Last 2008, year... so it's <laughs> happened one time in my baseball watching life. It's it's okay. Last year, I watched Jacob Degrom uh, have his worst start of the year against the A's, and it was perplexing to say the least. Because you know, of all the teams that really lit him up, it was proud. It was easily the weakest opponent that did it. So, you know. Even the even the best players and best teams do lose to the worst teams sometimes. I mean, the nineteen sixty two Mets did once score nineteen runs in a game. Uh, anyways, uh, we'll get more back into the A's later on. Uh, I'd say that uh, it was a pretty nice day in New York today. Uh, I enjoyed the you know we're finally we finally reached a stretch where it's not raining every single day uh, and it's nice out. So yeah, I'm doing well. Uh, but anyways. Uh, we'll jump right into it, and as Alex mentioned, we do have some milestones to talk about. And for the second time this season, we had a reliever reach 400 saves. This time, it was Craig Kimbrell racking up number 400 on Friday night. Uh, the and I'm I'm sure this is the first time in baseball history this has happened where two players recorded their 400 career saves against the same opponent. Um, also, they both played for that opponent back in the day. So Craig Kimbrell and Kenley Jansen have both reached 400 saves. And I think it's fair to say they're probably the two best relievers of their generation. But the question that always gets to me is, are these guys Hall of Famers? Because I think they both have compelling cases. I want to hear from you guys first. Uh, what, what do you guys think on 
uh, Craig Kimbrell and Kenley Jansen maybe getting into the Hall of Fame one day. So first things first, I want to make sure I give a congratulations to Kimbrell for reaching that milestone. He's a guy that's been doing this for hell a good, very good while now. And reaching 400 saves is an extremely tough accomplishment. Like you take a look at right now in the top 10, the top 10 save leaders right now, both Kenley and, uh, and Kimbrell are in that top 10 right now. And you look at the guys that are above them. You look at guys that are like Mariana Rivera, Trevor Hoffman, the all-time, uh, all-time leaders in saves, Lee Smith for, for uh, Francisco Rodriguez, John Franco, Billy Wagner, and then there's Jansen. And then there's Kimbrell. And I think right now, I think both of them have very, very compelling cases. Like, just taking a quick look at what they've done so far in their careers from it on Kenley's side of things. He has a 20.1 career war, 402 saves, and a career ERA of 2.5, a 2.48. That is astonishingly good. He's also a member of the 1,000 Strikeout Club with over 1,100 strikeouts. So I think Kenley's got a very strong case. He's a three-time All-Star, World Series champion in twenty in twenty twenty with the Dodgers during the COVID year, and has won Reliever of the Year twice. Like I think this guy's got a hell of an argument for it. Kimbrel, I also think does have that same kind of argument as well, but it's a little less strong in IMO. But honestly, I don't think that's a problem. I think both of these. Uh, guys, if the only reason why we're saying that they wouldn't be a Hall of Famer is because they've had some kind of mid last couple of years, which that's what happens when you get to the tail end of your career. But look at this just from a career perspective. Kimberl right now has a 21.6 uh, career war, is also a member of the strikeout club at 1130 strikeouts. So actually five more than Jansen, a career ERA of 241, which again is also better than Jansen. And their whips are nearly identical. Jansen has a little bit of a better one by 0.05. So I honestly think both of them do have very strong Hall of Fame cases. Are they Hall? Are they first ballot Hall of Famers? Probably not. But I do think that they are extremely well deserving. And who knows? Depending on the class, they may even they may actually even be first ballot Hall of Famers. I don't think that is going to be the case. But we also saw that, you know, the first ever unanimous first ballot Hall of Famer ever was a relief pitcher. It was Mariana Rivera. So, you know what? I think that, especially when it comes to the voters, relief pitching has become so much more important to them over the last number of years. And the precedence now of Rivera gives them a really huge chance. Um, so, of course, my beloved Bozos were the team victimized by both Kimbrel and Jansen. So as much as I want to say congratulations, uh, congratulations, and uh, please remove that save from the list and get your 400th elsewhere, please. Um, but either way, this is a interesting discussion, and it's going to be interesting if they're on the ballot simultaneously, how many years they're on the ballot simultaneously, because I feel like this could be a more of a pick one but not both situation and they're very similar i think kimbrel had the higher peaks like braves kimbrel is as good as any reliever in the history of baseball i am comfortable saying that not braves kimbrel i don't think that's touching most of jansen's career as a dodger so you have this crazy peak 
this, I'm going to say Tracy McGrady peak, you know, he had scoring titles and was crazy productive with the magic and early in his rocket career, right? Kimbrell, same sort of deal. And then Jansen's more of this consistent presence is always pitching, um, you know, for the Dodgers, always competing in October. Um, and it's, there's just like this, this nuancey difference of, would you rather have the guy that was the best reliever in baseball for half a decade or the guy that was, you know, a top three reliever, a top tier, a top echelon reliever for the better part of a decade. So it will be interesting, you know, who gets more favoritism, if you will, on the ballot, our voters going to look at the, you know, the Braves Kimbrel, which I think is a no doubt hall of famer. He was, only a Braves reliever for four years and change though. That's the problem. While Jansen has more of the, more of the track record, more of the, I guess more years of hall of fame caliber, but he doesn't have the inner circle hall of fame years, if that makes sense. So you mentioned uh, Kimbrell's years with the Braves and I want to bring that. uh, I want to bring that uh, some stats into this because I think it is fair to say that from 2011 to 2014, Craig Kimbrell was the greatest closer of all time. And here, so here, here are the numbers. Those four years, 185 saves. So he's averaging about 46 a year, uh, 1.51 ERA, also 1.52 fifths. So his numbers are like directly in line right there. He struck out 42% of the batters he faced over a four year period, including a year in which I believe, yeah, 2012, he struck out just over half the batters he faced. Like that is absolutely ridiculous. And I don't know if we'll ever, I don't know when we'll see a stretch like that again, because of how volatile relievers are. Also, I I know that uh, Mariano Rivera, his cutter is considered probably the best pitch in all of it, like in baseball history. But one pitch I want to throw some respect on is the curveball from Ken, uh, from Craig Kimbrell. Uh, from 2011 to 2014, his knuckle curve, he threw it almost 1,300 times. He threw it 1,285 times. He allowed just two extra base hits in that stretch, and he had a whiff rate of 53% on that pitch. That is mm-hmm. – I don't know how n- more people didn't talk about this pitch because it is absurd how good it was. I'll, I'll, t- I'll say why they didn't talk about it. And it's actually another good thing for Kimbrell. And it's because his fastball was equally effective. And that's oh, yeah, what made him That's what made him so dominant is that a lot of closers in today's baseball have one pitch that is their out pitch. That it is their one pitch that they can rely pretty reliably get people out on. Some people will have two and all that. With Kimbrell, his two main pitches, that fastball and knuckle curve, were absolutely deadly and made each other better. They were like a good uh, doubles tennis team where they made each other better because they worked so well together where you had to be sitting on one if you wanted to have even a remote chance of hitting it. But if you tried to react to either of them, there was no chance with how good both of those were. That fastball, like, going back to like when he was really starting and really getting going. So let's say, for example, let's put in... Let's say 2012, where he had an ERA of 1.01. Like we were still talking a bit about you know sabermetrics and all these kinds of things, but I will I personally don't remember us talking a whole lot about spin rate on pitches or talking about some of these, but you could just tell. You could just tell as you were watching Kimbrell in that year, 
that ball was moving as a fastball that is supposed to be flat. That ball had serious run to it as anytime the ball that anytime it was even remotely touched, it felt like it was immediately going into the ground with how, how much spin was on that ball. So like, that's the, that's the key and why his knuckle curve was so good is because he also had a dominant second pitch to go right along with it. And guess what? Like a lot of closers, it was the fastball. And a lot of closers today, especially, their main two pitches are a fastball and a slider. His was a fastball and a curveball, which I think is a, so much more deadly if done correctly. Yeah, that's the thing is, uh, and it's crazy you mentioned his fastball because his fastball actually peaked in velocity when he was with Boston. Really? Uh, it it averaged, yeah, so it averaged um, about 97.5 in it, in Atlanta. And then it was 98 in San Diego for the one year he was in San Diego. And then when he got traded, it reached 98.3 in Boston in 2017. So that was, that was its peak. And that's the thing is we were talking about dominant pitches. I mean, for, for Kenley Jansen, it was also a cutter. Uh, uh, I mean, he also was, I mean, his cutter would miss bats like crazy too. I mean, a lot of, you know, the reason why I feel like his whiff rate, might not be as high on his cutters because uh, he it, it wasn't as drastic of a movement. It was more of a it was a harder pitch, uh, and I feel like you know with with a curveball. The thing with uh, Kimbrel's curveball it was like a power curve. So not only did it you know drop like crazy, he also would throw it like 87, 88 miles per hour, which is I mean that's that you don't see. I feel nowadays you definitely see more power curves, but. Back uh, when he was first coming up, that was not as common, uh, you know. But that being said, I mean, Jansen also had a really good slider and a really good four-seamer that he didn't throw as often. But now he mainly so – his three pitches now are a cutter, a sinker, and a slider. And the crazy thing is that his velocity is up uh, two, like two and a half miles per hour this year, uh, which is crazy to see. Uh, in comparing the two, really, uh, like Splash said, I mean, I feel like Jansen has been – a little bit more consistent uh, in general. And while he, it's hard to say because his peak may not have been like technically as impressive, but it was still dominant, including a 2017 season in which he had a 1.32 ERA in a 15 and a half strikeouts to walk ratio. Uh, he only walked nine batters that year, which is, I, I don't know how that's Man. possible, especially for relievers. Relievers are known for being wild. So he was obviously like ridiculous that year. He's consistently great for the Dodgers. He had, he had some, he had a solid year for the Braves last year and he's pitching all right for Boston too. It's that Kimbrel's downfall has also been far worse as we saw with the Cubs uh, and with the White Sox. And even with the Dodgers last year, he wasn't gr- horrible, but his strikeout rate was way down. His velocity was way down. But that being said, even with that, uh, even with his downfall, Kimbrel's, ERA compared to the eight Hall of Fame relievers is only worse than Mariano Rivera's. His whip is better than all eight of those guys. His strikeout rate is significantly better than all those guys. And he's probably going to pass Trevor Hoffman and Mariano Rivera in strikeouts this season. So there's a compelling case for Kimbrel, I think. And it's if I were to pick which one, I really don't know because I really value players who are like in peak form, they're one of the best players ever. 
So I want to say Kimbrell has a stronger case, but I think both of these guys should get in. I agree. Uh, I think that, yeah. Yeah. What they want to say on this as well is that both of them, I think also still maybe have a little bit of time. Like, I don't think their careers are done by any stretch yet. They're 14 years in the league, which mind you, that alone. They're both is... in their they're both in their mid-30s. So you know, yeah, they're both in the mid-30s. But... They probably yeah. still got another year or two, I would say. Especially with J- both Jansen of them. has another year on his contract, so definitely. Yeah. Yeah, he's at the very least, he's got it. And speaking of Jansen, I just want to make a quick note that he has the pitch mix that we call the MLB the show special with of the oh, yeah. sacred slider cutter. But <laughs> um to be fair, hey, you know, that's worse. That's what gets you picked in BR. Uh, but anyway, regardless from that, I think that right now, when you look at these guys and what they've done in their career, like we've talked about the strikeout percentage, we've talked about the ERA. The biggest thing I really want to say, and I know that, you know, it's not the, the sexiest stat to think of anymore. I really like the save number. I always will because at the I second end of that the, for some reason. Look, here's the thing at the end of the day, the save means one thing you won the game. The game is over with your team getting a W in the win column. The reason why I don't like it so much when it comes to like starting pitchers is because there's a lot of things that happen after you get into the game. And, and a lot of times after you're after you leave the game, I mean. And whereas for the closer, it means that you won the game. In fact, actually, I like the win stat even less for a for a closer because that means that you lost it. That's why I like it. That's why because you lost the game and then won. The yeah, game. exactly. Something like so, that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but no, the save I will always like just because that means that you came in with a lead of three or less, and the game was over when you threw your last pitch. Yeah, and I mean, splash, splash. You go ahead here, but uh, yeah. Yeah, I think with the Hall of Fame discussion, I would lean slightly more with Jansen over Kimbrell because this is the Baseball Hall of, F- Hall of Fame and not the Basketball Hall of Fame. But I think both should be in. It does remain to be seen if Billy Wagner will get in, if um, Francisco Rodriguez gets in. And I don't know if there's going to be rel- reliever fatigue because you look past Kimbrell and Jansen and what other active relievers are we talking about in this, this hall of fame aura? I, it, okay. Edwin Diaz Probably none. is his own discussion. Well, yeah. But Edwin has a lot more time before he, we can yeah, the thing. he's only 29. So, right. But there's not a, like I, if you're Kimbrell at 29, I think was a pretty, it's like, oh, okay, easily. Yeah, yeah. This guy's going to be a hall of famer. Right. Or, Jansen at 29, maybe not quite as obviously, but yeah, I think so. Well, and I, I, Diaz, you can have the conversation yeah. with. I'm not opposed to that. But mm-hmm. beyond that, like Josh Hader, I don't think so. Not yet. I every think Hader's like probably the other relievers like up and down. And up and down Chavin, probably not. No, Chavin, Chavin definitely. Not Chavin yet. has the yet, stuff, no. but he is throwing uh, 104 it's... with the Royals. That's yeah, fair. He, uh... I, I will mention this, that J- Jansen has a leg up on Kimbrel because of the postseason numbers. Uh, fair, Jansen yeah. is second all-time in postseason saves. And Kimbrel only has seven career postseason saves, and his numbers aren't that good in the postseason. It's only a, a 4.13 ERA in 24 postseason innings. Uh, um, and I, I will I give will, yep. I'll give a little bit more credit, though, to Kimbrel's uh... – that a little bit more though his world series wasn't in a covid season <laughs> that is true although he so that's the thing is that uh 
it's funny because the one year Timberwolf pitched in the World Series, it was probably his worst postseason show. Yeah, like he I, was I not good was in that postseason, <laughs> and it was I against know. Jansen's team. It True. was against Kenley Jansen's team. The, uh, uh, also, the funniest it, part of that both, series yeah. was that Nate Evaldi had the most famous relief appearance. It wasn't one and of the potential Hall of Famer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It wasn't one of the potential Hall of Famer relievers. It was a starting pitcher throwing an eight and change, something ridiculous. Uh, six, six plus, oh. I believe. Rest but yeah, Max this I, just said Nate Evaldi, the next Hall of Fame closer. We got it, boys. Exactly. Yes. It's funny because. I remember okay. after that postseason, three out sa- thinking, three inning saves, the king. <laughs> I, I, you know, it's funny because I thought Eovaldi was going to sign as a reliever after that uh, postseason because <laughs> he was so good out of the bullpen. I thought, yeah, but uh, you know, Kim, it's funny because Kimbrel also did win uh, the Mariano Rivera Award when he was a Red Sox, uh, which, but he, actually, his best season by strikeout to walk ratio was twenty seventeen with Boston, uh, and he was. I, I feel like. His case would be stronger if he never got traded to the White Sox uh, because he was having a great year as a closer for the Cubs. And then when he got traded to Chicago, he was no longer the closer. So uh, it was it was kind of an ill-advised trade by the White Sox, in my opinion. But anyways, I think both these guys have great cases. I mm-hmm. hope both of them get in. I think they'll both probably at least pass Billy Wagner and John Franco and maybe K-Rod in the saves list at some point either this year or next year. Uh, and I think they both can probably end up passing Lee Smith. Uh, I don't know, probably not Hoffman or Rivera, obviously. But anyways, I say we move on. And I mentioned this earlier, but uh, we have to address this elephant in the room. That is the Oakland A's this year. And yeah. I feel really, really, really badly for their fans because I do too. No team, no fan base deserves to go through what they're going through right now with the rumors of relocation. And to compound that, entering tonight, they are 10-45 and 45 on the season. Uh, guys, what are your thoughts on Oakland? Are they going to break the 1962 Mets loss record? Just tell me what you, how you're feeling about the, these Oakland A's. Look, like, I feel like this is like beating a dead horse almost, and I feel really sad about it. Because, I mean, to be fair, this is a team that has been teased this for so long. I mean, we can go back to when they were supposed to lose it all to then move to, um, I don't remember where, it was San something. And uh, he... I think it may have been San Jose, yeah. San Jose, thank you. And then they end up winning the division to really screw screw up with what manager was trying to do. And the fans showed up for that. Like, all right, cool. Sounds good. And then you get to... These rumors have been going on for a while. The... Coliseum is falling apart at the seams. The team itself has been falling apart at the seams, and you had at least a few bits of hope left, and then in the offseason, trading it all away. And you can't say it's for rebuilding anymore. You haven't been able to say that it's been for rebuilding since probably 2010. That was probably the last time you could say that and have it be a legitimate, no, maybe, yeah. No, it has been so brutally obvious that this team has not wanted to win. And I actually know I need to change that. I need to change that statement that the owners and management have not wanted to win. That has been because we know the players want to win. The players are playing as hard as they can. You have guys like, again, like Rooker that are trying as hard as they can. Was it Noda who is playing pretty darn well 
this year and was really giving it his best. Some pitchers he's are a rule really five going. pick. Yeah, exactly. And then on top of it, like they just had Jesus Aguilar who just got DFA'd. Like, who's at least trying as a veteran to do some stuff. Tony Kemp is being as much of a veteran leader as he possibly can. And the team itself is trying so hard. And the fans finally this year said, all right, we see what's happening. We're jumping off. Like, there was a tweet that came out a while back ago that the people that would bang the drums at the A's games officially put in their notice to the team that we are taking our drums back and we are leaving goodbye. And because they actually had like a place at the stadium because they were such a well-known uh, commodity for the team that they let them just keep the drums there. And having that go away, it that should just be something that tells them, okay, you know what? Maybe we really are kind of screwing up. But the fact that they are, they say that they're averaging less than 10,000 fans. I mean, that's obvious. It feels like a lot of times they're averaging under 100 fans like at most of these games. And you'll never hear me like, Okay, keep you on the same topic for a second. You'll never hear me really praise the Astros or anything like that, but they put out a tweet after yesterday's ball game where they won by a final score of 10 to 1. And the tweet said, and I quote, 10 runs scored in front of tens of fans. That is such a move, but it's accurate. And you know what? If you don't want that kind of stuff happening to you, invest in your team. Invest in keeping players at your team. Like, you don't need to always be winning. You don't need to always be winning. The Mariners right now are still playing with a bunch of fans and have been playing with a lot of fans over their 21-year drought, but they at least were trying to compete. This right here, like, I understand wanting to tank for other reasons, but if you're, this is basically the real-life version of the concept of the movie Major League. That they created a team that they are 100% certain will not win baseball games. While still putting together a team that's not going to get you fired for just completely tossing out players. Like, I believe there was a story years ago about uh, players bringing in, like, teams bringing in, like, children to play just because they had a smaller strike zone to work with. No, this is actually happening. Like, we are seeing a team right now that has won over the course of this season one time has won two games in a row one time has been swept countless times is currently beating on the on the uh on the Braves right now but that's going to change because we know this team the the Bra- the Braves are going to win this game if they don't then you know what it happens but look i can't even begin to feel to on how much i feel for these fans these fans and how much they've gone through on all this. And then on top of it, the players that really are giving their all and just have to kind of accept that next year they're going to be playing probably somewhere else or are going to be just trying to have to use this as an audition tape, basically. Like, that's just... I can't think of a more depressing reality than just knowing that you were put there to be a placeholder. You were put there not to win. You were put there because of your ability to lose. Well, it could be worse. It could be worse. I promise it can be worse because guess what? 
the Oakland A's will not have the distinction of losing to the 2023 Oakland A's like these Bozo Atlanta Braves are about to have. They are down 5-2 to two at the bottom of the eighth inning, and I cannot believe what is happening. Okay, anyways, it is it is tragic. Any, for, any given day, man. Any given yeah, day. It is, it is tragic, and this is one reason to maybe think the A's aren't going to lose 121 games, right? Maybe they can – oh, my goodness, they scored again – Listen, like the 10 and 45 <laughs> start is horrible. Obviously, I'm not going to sugarcoat that. But you move into the dog days of the season, you're going to face a bullpen game here or there, right? You're going to face, you know, maybe the Mariners don't want to, they have a big series against the Astros coming up. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll just try to get away on a Sunday and just take two out of three, right? Or whatever, or insert Rangers, Angels, sorry, Alex. Um, just, you're going to win some games. I would imagine they're going to win more than, they're on pace to win about 30 games. They're going to win more than 30 games. But it is tragic for Oakland. It is tragic for the Bay Area. And it's tragic that the people that can change something, ownership, management of the A's, are the only ones that don't seem to care. They they want to go to Vegas. And even in Vegas, you're going to Vegas and you're not going to build this elaborate stadium. You're going to build one that I think would be 29th in capacity, something like that. Like 30,000 fans, yeah. Yeah, and it's like only, like, bro, you are leaving a city you've been in for nearly 50 years. You are leaving a city that you won championships, plural, you had a historically dominant stretch in the 70s. You had Hall of Famer after Hall of Famer after Hall of Famer. This is a historically relevant team. You have the Philadelphia A's. You have the Oakland A's. Kansas City kind of sucked, but we're going to skip over that. And you're just throwing it away. You're throwing away a team with tradition. You're throwing away a team like Estuary Ruiz might steal 80 bags this year. Um, I'm not saying he's going to be Ricky Henderson or anything, but that's fun. Brent Rooker is fun. Ryan Noda is fun. And think about if they weren't hemorrhaging talent every year. Think about if they weren't trading Sean Murphy for pennies on the dollar or trading Matt Olson or trading Matt Chapman or losing Marcus Simeon. Just you could make an all-star team out of former A's and it would be a legitimate all-star team. This isn't like a, oh, hey, you know, Ari Adrianza is a former Brave. Let's lump him in. No, there's legitimate talent. The A's have just let walk over the years. And it all boils down to the owners, the management. They only care about one number. And that's not the win column. It is the finance column. But guess what? Winning will help you make money. And they think, uh, eh, we just want to make money. You do realize if you're winning 100 games and you're selling out, you know, you're selling out games, you're going to the playoffs every year, you get those gate receipts, you're selling a whole bunch of jerseys because fans actually know the players and love the players. You're not calling up random people from Reno in the middle of the season. You're going to buy their jersey. Do you know why I have a commitment to the Atlanta Braves? Why I have bought jerseys? Why I have bought, bought a Michael Harris shirt? Because the Braves make a commitment to their players. They go out and pay these players. They go and make an example of Ronald Acuna, Ozzy Albies, Michael Harris. The, the entire team feels like it's under contract for the next five years. So as a fan, I can say, okay, I'm going to go get an Acuna jersey. I'm going to go get a Harris 
t-shirt. I'm going to go get a Swanson t-shirt back in the day. I'm going to go get a Tehran jersey back in the day and a t-shirt. And you can make that investment as a fan. And Oakland can't do that. You can't go get a Matt Olson jersey because guess what? He's going to be gone in two years. Oh, man, Brent Rooker, he's having this nice start. Well, I guess I'm going to have to save up and get a Blue Jays jersey next year. It's a disgrace. Yeah, and the sad part is really whenever they quote-unquote like sell, they've gotten like They've got pennies on the dollar in return, really. Uh, Matt Olson, obviously, like, okay, they got Shea Langoliers back. All right, Langoliers is a solid catcher who, I mean, at a position that lately has not been very strong offensively, he might be like a nice two-way catcher. You know, he'll be solid offensively and defensively. But really, they traded Sean Murphy and got, I mean, not much in return. Let's just put it that way. Uh, they got their opening day starter, Kyle Muller, back. Uh, he got sent to the minors recently. Uh, they they got uh, – oh, it was a three-team deal, so they did get Estiri Ruiz in that. So, all right, Ruiz was fine. But uh, really, they haven't gotten much in return. I'm, I'm thinking back even to 2015 when they traded Josh Donaldson. They got, you know, I believe Franklin Barreto. That was Barreto. the first trade I was thinking about, yeah. Yeah, that's the thing is that they got – the headliners were Franklin Barreto and Brett Laurie. Uh Josh Donaldson won MVP the next year with Toronto and helped Toronto break a playoff drought. Uh, it, it's just you, you think they didn't get much from Matt Chapman either. They, they, you know, I, I think about the one time they did try to go with, all in though in 2014, and they probably messed up their future by doing that. I mean, they went all in to try to get Jeff. They got Jeff Samarja and Jason Hamill. They gave up, you know, Asa Russell and Billy McKinney. That so that trade was a flop. Yes. But they also made the mistake of trading Yoannis Cespedes for John Lester because why would you trade a cleanup hitter in the middle of your pennant drive? Uh, so that obviously, when they tried going all in, they failed. When they tried to rebuild, they failed also. So really, it's just been disappointing. But the reason I'm, I'm going to bring up the the two teams that we are considered the worst teams of the modern era: the 1962 Mets and the 03 Tigers. So through 55 games, so that's. Entering tonight, they, the A's had played 55 games. So the Mets were 16-39 with a negative 92 run differential. The 03 Tigers were 15-40 with a negative 102 run differential. The A's, entering tonight, were 10-45 with a negative 199 run differential. So basically, they're losing by at least three runs every time they take the field. It And uh, to your point about the attendance, they are averaging 8,000 886 fans per game. I feel like that's a generous number. Uh, having watched some A's games this year when the Mets were there, there's almost nobody at these games. Uh, and the thing is, I saw a tweet earlier, you know, look at Oakland Coliseum before Mount Davis existed. And it was actually like, that That was a nice looking ballpark. Like, why, did, why does Mount Davis exist? Uh, the A's need to get out of that ballpark, first of all. But I don't think they should be just ditching the fans in the city to go to Las Vegas. I mean, really, this is it's embarrassing for the sport of baseball, in my opinion. And I, I understand like these guys work their like the players, especially, they work their tails off to get to the major leagues. And right now, this is just like a slap in the face. I mean, slap in the face of the fans and the players. Like, why why are you not investing in your team? Uh, and you know, you could say, Oh, they, you know, small market teams can succeed and all that. Well, yeah, the Rays are a small market team, and they're succeeding because they're investing heavily in developing their team. Uh, and while they do tend to trade off, you know, their stars when they reach our uh, 
their free agent years, they get a lot in return, and the A's just are not getting a lot in return. So uh, I think we've kind of, you know, we've said what we can about the A's. Uh, are they going to break the 120 loss record? Who knows? The 03 Tigers were about to break that record and then won five of their last six games. So anything is possible, guys. Uh, it's I, funny. I think I, they're going to break it. I, I, I honestly, I think they might break it because it's just. They're on pace I, to I do know. so is what sucks. Like, it I know the base. I they're on the pace to break the worst with the worst run differential record too. By a lot. <laughs> like they're they're on pace for like a negative six hundred run differential, which is uh, I mean, that's I mean, honestly, it's impressive. Uh anyways, uh en- enough about the A's. We're gonna talk about a former A because there is some ob- some great news in the baseball world this week. Liam Hendricks. Just uh, just under five months after get uh, after un- starting treatment for stage four non non Hodgkin's lymphoma has been activated by the White Sox guys. There, Hendricks is a great player on the field. He's an even better person off the field. Super popular. What do you guys have to say here? Because it, it, I'm personally relieved to see him back on the diamond. Um. So I'm on Baseball Reference, and I found an error on uh Hendrix baseball reference page. It says he has 724 strikeouts. Uh it should say 725 cuz he just struck out cancer. Yes, he so did. Yep. Let's go. Big props. Like the also the only player named Liam ever in the majors. Um just I didn't know that. Yeah, uh that was a foolish baseball stat, but just this is more than baseball and also ALS weekend is coming up as well. So that's also more than baseball, but um, just sometimes sports transcend, you know, the, the moment is bigger than the event. And this is one that the moment is bigger than it's bigger than baseball. It's bigger than sports. This is like national news sort of deal. Not just, Oh, baseball player returns from hiatus. Like, Mike Soroka, Royce Lewis, right? Th- those are cool baseball stories. This is a cool person story. This is a cool dude story. This is a cool badass story. So I'm very happy that Liam Hendricks is back on a major league, major league roster. Uh, props to him. Just killer mentality, and I can't wait to hear him mic'd up again. Hopefully at another All-Star game. I agree, 100%. And you know what? This it feels so good to see. It. This is especially after us just talking about the A's. This is about this is the good feel story that you want to hear. Liam Hendricks is a guy that, regardless of what team you root for, everyone is going to be cheering for him tonight. Everyone that if he gets into pitch, which I think they're gonna fo- make him, <laughs> they're gonna definitely give him at least even if it's not a save opportunity, they're gonna give him a chance to pitch just because there needs to be that ovation. There needs to be that chance for him to go out in front of everyone and just soak up the crowd. Just do what oh yeah. Do what Adley Rushman did when he got promoted to the big leagues. Yeah, and by the he way, he did like Yeah, he he did come in to pitch. Uh so Oh he did. Okay, um, yeah, sorry. I, I didn't get to I'm, watch it. We're recording this. I I, I I I just took a look at the MLB app. Uh, I'm really I'm really I'm really just glad that he like really for me, it's like no matter the results him on the field i'm just i'm just happy that he's back uh like i said he's a great humanitarian uh he, he does a lot of work for 
different foundations and stuff like that. And uh, he's super popular in the, every every clubhouse he's been in. And he he was a guy he bounced around to a few teams before landing in Oakland. Uh, and like he yeah he's always been super well liked. And I he's got a fiery personality on the field, but don't let that deceive you. He's a super super nice guy. Uh, and I'm I'm really really happy to see him. It's you know it, it's like like Splash said, it's one of those. You know, you see guys recover from injuries and stuff like that, and obviously that's a huge obstacle to overcome. But he, you know, to to get over uh, cancer is I mean, seeing him just seeing that video he posted of him ringing the bell is it was an aw- awesome awesome thing to see. And even oh, yeah, he saw him his his first rehab start. I mean, he got a standing ovation from both dugouts. Uh, just shows you the type of person he is. Also, um, so any any other thoughts on on Liam Hendricks? Yeah, I think that right now this is the like that we've had stories of players like said coming back from horrific things from her, whether it be a horrific illness or a horrific injury. One of the ones that comes up to my mind is Alex Smith, and then coming by and being the guy, being exactly what they needed to do. This is that story. This is that next story here, and I am so absolutely happy. That he is back. I I liked him a lot before he went. As I before he was um out with this, and now that he's back, I think everyone is going to be on his side, and I think he's rightfully going to have that for him. Yeah, absolutely. This is <clears throat> bigger than baseball, and it's you know, and this is if you're a White Sox fan, right? You had a lot to mope about this year you've had a lot of a lot to rant about this makes you feel good as a fan you know you might have 100 losses but you have one big w in the column that's Liam Hendricks yeah and uh, the the welcome back video that the White Sox posted was an amazing tribute really Uh, and that really really he never gave up and uh, you know to be back just not literally less than five months after uh after beginning treatment it's it's an amazing accomplishment really um so anyways uh that is basically covering the news portion of our show obviously we have a very exciting segment that we always look forward to and that is trivia this week hosted by our trivia master alex clark so alex take it away all right, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to tonight's trivia segment between Ryan Splashpot and Matthias Alvin Kurosaki. Right, I'm going to stop that real quick. Um, Yeah, we got trivia titles. We like to always give these guys a topic to work from, and sometimes we do it to where they have to go through things in reverse chronological order. Sometimes they just have to keep naming things until you have nothing else left to name in a three-strike system. This time, we're going reverse chronological order for something, and that's something is City Connect jersey debuts. So we've had a good number of ones that have happened this year, going all the way back into two into two, uh, 2021. And what I want you guys to do is to go in order, in reverse chronological order, name the teams that debuted their City Connect jerseys. Going all the way back to 2021. This one isn't a direct stat, so I thought you guys would have a little bit of fun with this one. Yeah, but, no, I, I I'm looking yeah. forward to it because I I, oh, I always I always look forward to the reveals of these. I'm just I'm trying to remember what because they like all like they all come together. It's like oh yeah, there was this one and this one and this one, and I'm just then my I'm mentally filling in the gaps. And there's like in like uh, eight so, this year. 
So oh reverse chronological. So we're starting with the most recent ones, right? Exactly. Yeah, we're starting with right, the perfect. most recent one. We're gonna flip a coin, and whoever gets it right can choose if they want to go first or second. And it is a three strike system this time. And if we yep. get through the entire list, then we'll go to who has the most amount of strikes left. And if we still are at a standstill, then we will go to a, another tiebreaker. So, right, are good. you guys ready? Yes, sir. All well, right. So, uh, shout out to the Boston Celtics for wasting everyone's time. Sounds good. Yeah. All right. So, I'm going to flip a coin. Uh, let's see your splash. I I usually ask Max a splash. Uh, give me heads or tails. Uh, tails never fails. Apparently, it is tails. No. So, all right, splash. Would you like to go first or would you like to go second? Oh boy. Uh, you know what? I'll go first here. Okay. So, splash. I need you to tell me the most recent debut on the field. Which team debuted their City Connects most recently? And okay, being clear, mo- it's on the field, not the reveal. Okay, the most recent most recent City Connect debut, Baltimore Orioles. That is correct. All right, their, their debut was uh, just about a week ago today, in fact, on the 22nd yep. of May, 2023. All right, Mac, on to you. What was what is the next one on the list? I believe it was the Cincinnati Reds. Cincinnati Reds is correct. They debuted three days earlier on the nineteenth. Right. Um, okay, next up, splash. I will go with. Uh, this is I. This is going to be a big swing, one way or the other. Um, As baseball usually is. <laughs> that's a valid point. <laughs> I am going to go with the Texas Rangers. Splash, that is your first oh, strike, man, my friend. Dude. That is your first strike. All right, Mac, what is the correct answer here? Yeah, the Seattle Mariners, right? Exactly. The Black Panted <laughs> Seattle Mariners. Just say that was a layup right there. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. All right. We may see one of the first wins for Mac here. All right, Splash, now it's back to you. What is the next team after the Seattle Mares? By the Mares debuted on the 5th of May. Texas Rangers. It is now the Texas Rangers. All right, Mac, on to you. The next team to debut. Oh, man. Um, Trying to think of who's gotten them this year. Oh, uh, I would like to say it's the Atlanta Braves. Is that your answer? Yes. It is the Atlanta Braves. No, uh, let's go. On my birthday, April 8th. So, mm. All right. Splash, it's back to you. You have one strike so far. Okay. <laughs> so now I'm just thinking, which teams even have one? Mm-hmm. Uh-uh. Okay, 2022. No, 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 no. I am going to go with the Colorado Rockies. Splash, that is your second strike, my friend. All right, Mac, 
You currently okay. have a two to nothing strike lead on Splash. The last one that was said was the Atlanta Braves on April 8th of 2023. Yeah, so clearly it was last year. Um, the most recent one before that. Oh my god. I'm trying to remember who got them last year. I think it is the I'm gonna go with you can go with the Angels, I think. I think it's the Angels. Mac, that is your first strike. God, man. So man. now we'll move on to the next one here because I don't uh because you guys have already eliminated teams. The next the next team was the San Diego Padres. Ah, that was, oh. I, I the Padres debuted their horrible, horrible City Connect jerseys on the eighth of July. Why are we okay? Why are we disrespecting the Padres? Because At least they it is match. horrible. They're, no, they're they're the thing looks like it was Skittle barfed out of the nineties. Skittle <laughs> barf. Yeah. Excuse me. Wait. All right, Splash. You have one strike Wait. left. <laughs> what? You heard Skittle barf? Yeah. I thought that was funny. Skittle. Yeah. <laughs> nah, 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 nah. I, I, no. Don't stop. Chill. Stop disrespecting. I will disrespect all the time, but I'm also going to disrespect that you have two strikes and it's your turn to answer again. Yeah, man. Okay. Uh, After the Padres. Time, it should be the Colorado Rockies. <laughs> okay. It is not the Rockies. What? Yeah, I was just saying, I don't think it's the Rockies. That's your third strike what? back. I need to win. What? No. The, Mac, this is for the win. Okay. Uh, I think this one is the Angels. Splash are still in it. That is God, is the that team is the Brewers. Oh, the Brew Crew how did I miss on that? the 24th of June. Okay. Splash. You're still alive. Still, still, still alive. kicking. Yeah. Um the team is next. Okay. Uh well, I I'm gonna go with the Angels then. You went with the Angels. And you got it Finally. on the 11th of June. Oh, my Yeah, goodness. I knew they did it because they debuted them against the Mets. I remember that. <laughs> there nice. you go. Um, All right, Mac, on to you. Man, now I'm on the hot seat. Um, <laughs> you have one strike to... splash. You should have three, but because Mac didn't get yeah, it, that you over the century. Um, okay, so who got them last year? Okay, I... I'm not sure here, but I think the answer to this is the. Wait, I gotta think this. I think this one's the Rockies. Is that your answer? Yes, the Rockies. Darn. You're correct. It is the Rockies. Let's go. The fifth mm. of June. Hmm. I remember. Right. I was still. I was still in class at the time, so I remember that. All right, Splash. Right back to you. The next team. Splash is looking is uh working with his hat his hat off and his uh head <laughs> in his pants and now it looks ready. My head is definitely not in my pants. I said hands. Oh, okay. I I heard pants. <laughs> I can <laughs> I can confirm I am not that flexible. I I can promise. Sorry for the females that I am not that flexible. Um, we, you know what is flexible? 
The curly W. I'm going to go with the Washington Nationals. That is incorrect. Oh. Not the no. Nationals. Say. All right, Mac, a chance to win. Okay. I think this is the Houston Astros. Also incorrect. You're still alive, Splash. The most recent one, the Royals on the 30th of April. I forgot the Royals have one. So. Yeah, no, because it doesn't look any different. Hey, it's yeah. all right. We should all do right. a tier list video for them. I mean, we could definitely do that when we get our Oh, my goodness. Well. All right, Splash, you are still alive after co- being on the edge of the cliff <laughs> and looking yeah, over uh, multiple times now. Oh, my goodness. You're right. It's almost over. But uh, we're going <laughs> to go. It's almost over. Uh, uh, I think we go. I think we go Astros here. Houston Astros. Houston Astros is correct on 420. Blaze it. Blaze Shout it. out to Cody Bellinger nice. and James Outman. Completely <laughs> <laughs> true. Okay. All right. Mac, back to you on the hot seat. Now yeah. the next team. Okay. I believe the only team that got one before the Astros last year were the Washington Nationals. So I'm going to go with the Nats. And the Nats is correct, with personally Let's one of go. my favorite uh, city characters. Hey, I love the I, I warmed up to them. Yeah, you I have a good them. sports, or you have a good fashion take for once. Oh, you can just blow it out your butt. Um. Anyway, next up here, Splash. Let's see if you don't lose here again. Oh, boy. <laughs> hey, if you're going to insult me, I'm just going to hit you right back with it. So. <laughs> okay. Oh, wait uh, for an answer. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> you got me there. Uh, we're going to go with the San Francisco Giants. The Giants is incorrect. This is like the sixth time I've been wrong. This is it's the sixth not... time that you've been this... looking over the yeah. edge only for Mac to pull. This you is back. not new information. <laughs> All right. Um. So I think the answer here is the Los Angeles Dodgers. Is that your final answer? Yeah, it's the final answer. Mac, you have won today's trivia beating uh-huh. Splash as the Dodgers got their jerseys on uh, August 20th of 2021, the last of the 2021 group. I'm pretty sure oh. they also debuted those against the Mets. Lisa, as well. <laughs> so the Giant, just to clarify as well with you on your Splash, the Giants got theirs. They were actually the next one. Of course um, they were. Yeah, yeah July 9th. Because I remember they got them close together. Yeah, I remember them getting them somewhat close together. And uh, Arizona got one. Cubs, White Sox, Red Sox. Red Sox, yeah, Marlins. So the rest yeah. of the order goes as follows. After the Dodgers and the Giants, that's the Diamondbacks on the eight on the 18th of June, followed by the Cubs on the 12th. The White Sox on the 5th, so they debuted theirs one week after each other. Followed by the Marlins... On the 19th, and the very first one to debut were the Boston Red Sox on the 17th of April. Yeah, I remember watching that game. Right? Mm -hmm. And that started Uh, a new era of jerseys. Yeah, no, and I, uh, I, I, I love those Boston jerseys, by the way. Oh, yeah, I feel like, but I, I I think those, yeah, so I think, I think while they kind of look like the UCLA Bruins jerseys, I really like them. I mean, I, I know that, like, all right, it's, 
Like, how the heck is that color scheme related to the Red Sox? Well, I mean, it's exactly. So I'm a big fan, but I actually really enjoyed that trivia segment. So thank you for bringing that. I wonder uh, why. Back. <laughs> I, I'm kidding. I, a, a good game. That was. Uh, um, yeah. I didn't uh, I appreciate half these teams. Your, uh, I forgot they had City Connect jerseys. Yeah, same here. I, I, saying, I, I'm looking forward to the new City Connect reveals that are coming up. I believe Pittsburgh is the next one up. Ooh, I forget. I'm, yeah, I'm excited for, well, I would be excited for Pittsburgh, but all of their teams were the same colors. So Yeah, so Pittsburgh yeah, <laughs> will be debuting in about a month. A little more than a month. I wish uh, all of them came out the at once, like the reverse retros. Yeah, yeah, so they're the next, they're only the next ones that are at least announced, where they were... Okay. Uh, yeah, their reveal date is going to be on the 22nd of June, with their on-field debut being the 27th. I'm really hoping that the New York teams get theirs uh, sooner rather than later. Because yeah, I'm, be I've been seeing too. all That'd these, I've been seeing all these random like, oh, here are potential designs for the Mets, and it's like, dude, I mean, all right, I want to cool. see like the actual jerseys, you know. Uh, but anyways, thank you for that, Alex. And uh, we're going to finish off our show the way we finish off every show, which is with the moment to ourselves. You have 60 seconds to talk about absolutely whatever sports, not sports, baseball, not baseball. So who here wants to go first on this? One? Hmm. To be fair, I'm still thinking about what I want to do for my... Yeah, no, I, I get that. It's, this it's, is the... it's... Um, I'll tell you, okay, you know, I can, I can come up with something pretty quick. I think I got All something. right. So, all right, Alex, uh, are you ready? Yep, let's do this. All right, your time starts in three, two, one. So I'm going to be off of work for a little bit, just a mandatory break for what we're doing. And one of the things I'm trying to figure out the most is how to fill the time. Because I have three weeks of just whatever I want to do. I have a few obligations here and there. But I think what I want to do is I really want to get going with stuff here for the podcast and going for like making a new intro. I want to get going with potentially on some YouTube content. We're still working on a lot of other stuff here, but I, I think that's the biggest thing I want to try and do is I want to stay busy while also getting, you know, keeping mental health in check, making sure I take as much time as I can for myself while also taking care of myself. So it's going to be a very interesting three weeks on this time because I want to keep productive while still making sure that I don't keep burnt out, because I'll be real, I was a bit burnt out when I got the news that was going on a mandatory three week. So it's a good, honestly, right now I'm looking forward to it. I got to go golfing today, like I said earlier, and it was a really good time. So now I'm just wanting to get everything done and try to be as productive as I can. But that's still gonna take some time. All right, uh, thank you for that, Alex. And I, I completely get what you're saying. Uh, Although I'll be honest, I had probably my heaviest work week uh, this p- past week, so uh, I'm man. I feel it though, <laughs> dude. I, it's yeah, I I get that. Uh, it gets rough. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, Splash, do you want to go next or should I go? Uh, you can go ahead. I'm looking at Boston, Miami stuff. <laughs> okay, that's fine. Um, all right. Uh, give me give give me a second to put my thoughts together. Um, before I get going, um, all right, I'll start my timer in three, two, one. Uh, so I feel like, you know, lately I, I obviously I've been talking about the Mets a lot, uh, on this show, but 
I, I do want to shout out the younger guys that they've called up lately. Uh, you know, these are especially Francisco Alvarez, who is over 18 months younger than I am. And he has been arguably the best offensive catcher in baseball this month. And it's honestly amazing to see that this 21 year old is getting uh, he's getting a vote of confidence from future Hall of Famers like Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer. You know, I think it speaks volumes when a, people who are much, much older than you and are, you know, the veterans on the team are giving you praise. And I think that this is the best catcher the Mets might have might have since Mike Piazza. And I think that uh, this fan base has to really embrace him. And I understand that the team is going through a rough patch right now, sort of, and they're only 500 and pitching staff might be struggling, but they're still plenty and excited about. And please stop being glass half empty people and uh, appreciate what we have right now before, uh, you know, before, you know, what if he ends up getting traded or something or uh, they lose him in free agency? Well, you probably wish you appreciated him more. So uh, anyways, that was my moment right there. Uh, splash. Uh, whenever you're ready. Um. Yeah, I need to. <clears throat> All right. Uh, I guess go ahead. All right. Three, two, one. Uh, boys and girls, today we're going to talk about consistency. Woo. Uh, remember, one percent better than you were yesterday. That's that's pretty simple. Just just one percent better than you were yesterday. You know, maybe you took the ramp down your from your apartment complex. Well, maybe tomorrow you'll take the stairs down. Maybe tomorrow you'll, you know, instead of ordering Uber Eats from the restaurant across the across the block, maybe you'll walk over there. So just little things to make your life more enjoyable, little things to help your life out. Uh, those are important. And those are just as important sometimes as the big changes, right? It's the it's the the pebbles that the small snowball that eventually turns into a big snowball. And you can't, as cliche as it is, you can't get a big snowball without a small snowball first. So uh, just remember to make progress. Progress is the aim of the game. You're not going to change overnight. You're not going to change in a week, a month, a year, maybe even 10 years. Change takes a while. Thank you for that, Splash. Uh, I, I get what you're saying also. <laughs> something I I've been working on basically ever since ever since I started college really um, especially during COVID and all that um, so anyways uh, that was the moment to ourselves and uh, we've so we've reached the end of the show uh, thank you all for listening as always uh, thank you to Splash and Alex for coming on Alex that was a fantastic trivia segment and I look forward to the I, I look forward to more trivia battles against Splash uh he has my number for sure, but, uh, you know, sometimes the lesser team does have to win once in a while. It's not a rivalry if it's not like that. <laughs> Anyways, uh, make sure to follow us all on Twitter. Uh, make sure to follow myself at Matthias underscore A underscore K. Follow Splash at the Sports Guy 242 and follow Alex at the uh, – sorry, sp- follow Alex at the Sports Guy 242 and follow Splash at Mr. Splashman19. You heard that right. Uh, and, of course, follow us the – Losses above replacement Twitter at LAR underscore baseball. You'll see all sorts of cool graphics that Splash has made and other uh, awesome baseball tweets. So keep an eye out for that. But thank you all for listening. Hope you all have a great night and I hope to see you all real soon. <laughs>